guys. Once again, big thanks to Kobe for hopping on and helping me do all that NBA talk. But let's go ahead and get down here real quick and talk about the AFC South. I'm trying to complete my uh, previews of all these divisions as well as preview these college football conferences. So we got lots of stuff coming for y'all today. And in these next few days, I'm probably going to post like four or five more podcasts this week. But I'm trying to go ahead and crank out all this football information for the season coming up. <clears throat> Before I get in and break down each team here, Let's go ahead real quick and look at each team's notable additions and losses. The Houston Texans added wide receiver Randall Cobb and running back David Johnson. They lost DeAndre Hopkins, um, DJ Reader, and Jonathan Joseph. So those, I mean, are some very key wins and losses for them. I wouldn't grade that out too hot, especially the fact they lost Nuke Hopkins. And they also got Brandon Cooks, who wasn't on there either in that trade. But definitely some huge losses. Colts, really their only notable losses, Pierre Desir. Um, they ended up adding Philip Rivers, DeForest Buckner, Xavier Rhodes. Um, overall, I mean, I would say they got a lot better off based off those moves. And lastly, the Jaguars, they um, lost A.J. Boye, Nick Foles, Calais Campbell, Marcel Darius, not to mention that they also traded a few other guys, including Yannick and Galway, including trading Jalen Ramsey last season, including cutting Leonard Fournette. They did add Joe Schobert, Tyler Eifert, and Al Woods, so... See all that plays out for him. Lastly, the Titans added Vic Beasley and Jadavian Clowney off the edge. They did lose offensive tackle Jack Coughlin and uh, defensive lineman Jarrell Casey and wide receiver Tajay Sharp. Um, overall, though, I'd say the Vikings did a great job getting – I mean, not the Vikings. The um, Titans did a great job getting guys back after losing those guys. Um Total, though, overall here in the division, going down with each team, I'm going to go ahead and start with the Texans since they won the division last year. Their win total is set at um, 7.5, and, and I'm not going to lie, guys. I personally know that most people are kind of writing off the Texans just because of all the locker room turmoil and everything coming out of Bill O'Brien making these moves that nobody likes. Um, a lot of these players are disagreeing with it. They think there might be a lot of locker room problems. Look, as long as you got Sean Watson in there, I don't think you can count this team out. Sean Watson's a guy who can make plays that no one else can in the league. There's a reason why he just got paid to be the highest quarterback in the league because he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the league. I think Deshaun Watson himself can get this team to at least eight wins. Will they make the playoffs? That's another story. I personally think they might miss it by one game and end up you know, being that you need to be 9-7 and seven probably to get into the playoffs. I mean, it's going to be a really tight race in the AFC. I'm not going to lie. I've struggled to even pick out my playoff teams, but... Fortunately, I can't take Kansas City in there. Look, I think their passing attack will still be dynamic. As long as Will Fuller and Cooks are out there on the field, every single thing should be all right. The only problem is, though, that both these guys are injury-prone, so they both might go down. That's going to be tough for Houston to bounce back from losing those guys. Overall, though, I think they can go over the win total. I'm a guy who likes to go against the narrative, and I feel like that's what the narrative is. But at the same time, if the Texans start the season out bad, that it can get bad quick and O'Brien can be on his way out of there. So overall, I wouldn't play the over on it, but I lean towards the over. I mean, when you have someone as talented as Deshaun Watson, it's going to be tough not to. Also, look for Deshaun Watson to lead the NFL in passing yards prop. Look, I know Patrick Mahomes is the Michael Jordan of the NFL and all, but Sean Watson, I mean, this is a guy that his coach even said he's the Michael Jordan of the NFL. I may not necessarily agree with that, but the Texans will probably be trailing a good bit, and when you have a quarterback as talented as Deshaun Watson with as strong of an arm as he does, he's going to make the plays and get a lot of passing yards. I think that could be a sneaky little prop right there to lock in, but <clears throat> I'm going to go with the go with the Texans finishing third in this division, and I've been missing the playoffs by, by going 8-8 eight and, eight and going over their win total. The next team in this division we'll talk about is the Tennessee Titans, who went 8-5 and five last year and made it as a wild card. We obviously know about the run and everything they had. Look, 
The Titans are going to have to ride on Derrick Henry. Do I think they've rode Derrick Henry a lot and that there might be a little bit of extra wear and tear on those tires? Yes, I do. But at the same time, the Titans had a great draft. I loved everything they did in that draft. And they added Jadavian Clowney to give them more edge pressure to go with an already great defense that had a lot of young guys who are just going to keep getting better and better. Look, I think this Titans defense is going to be scary, and I think they're going to be able to do a lot of things, not to mention that every single team in this division has a very easy schedule. The Titans and the Colts arguably have two of the easiest schedules in the NFL. I think the Titans will easily go over this nine-win total. When you think about it, guys, the last three years, the Titans either made the playoffs or their last game of the season came down to them getting in the playoffs. I think they can keep reciprocating that. They have one of the best coaches in the league as well. In um in um I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on his on his name Mike Vrabel I don't know why I drew a blank on his name there for a second but I love this Titans team look I think Tannehill he didn't really throw the ball that much in the playoffs I think a lot of these teams are going to come in here and overplay to Derrick Henry and kind of overplay that narrative that Derrick Henry is going to run them over and make things easier for them also think about this too. The whole entire time Tannehill was practicing with the second team last season, he was throwing the ball to wide receiver A.J. Brown. I think A.J. Brown is going to absolutely eat this season, and I think he's a can't-miss candidate for fantasy football. I think Tannehill has to be decent once again, and he'll get this team over nine wins. I mean, I personally think Tannehill might be a candidate for aggression. I think they should have franchise-tagged him instead of playing him the long-term contract, but Marcus Mariota was absolutely pathetic and was barely even worthy of being a starting quarterback in this NFL. Yet the Titans were still able to win eight, nine games every single season with him. I don't see why they can't go over that win total once again with Tannehill. Um, next, and I, by the way, I like Titans plus 170 to win the division. That's who I'm going with to win the division. But it is a tough decision for me between them and the Colts, who are also in here at nine and a half wins and you know I'm the Colts win total I'm gonna go over again that's kind of weird you like three overs in one division well I mean it's just so hard for you not to pick the Colts to go over you they got the three-headed backfield with Marlon Mack, Nakeem Hines and Jonathan Taylor look I think Taylor might not be as good at first but Taylor once he gets a little more acclimated in the system will be better Marlon Mack's no scrub either he can run the ball over teams and Hines is so explosive out of the backfield um, T.Y. Hilton might drop off a little bit just because Rivers doesn't have it in his arm anymore, but Rivers is still going to have the best situation he could possibly have with arguably the best offensive line in the league. I mean, I'd say they probably have two out of two of the best offensive linemen in the NFL also to go on that line, not to mention Frank Reich is a genius head coach. Frank Reich almost took this team to the playoffs after having Andrew Luck pretty much retire on the last day before the season started. Um, on top of that, he really doesn't get enough credit for what he did in the Super Bowl. I mean, this guy literally was calling the plays head-to-head with Bill Belichick, with the greatest defensive mind in the NFL, and outcoached him. I mean, I think Frank Wright can dial things up to get to get Rivers comfortable and to make easy throws for him. I think Jack Doyle will be a great pickup for fantasy. I think there's a lot of question marks, but if I were to draft any one player from their team, I would draft Jack Doyle. I think that more so with the running backs, Mack will be better at the beginning of the season, but as the season goes on, I think Jonathan Taylor will be better. Just because I think, I mean, Taylor can do it all, and he's that every down back. I think he can establish himself in that offense and start to take some of the time away. I think there also could be a little bit of a timeshare in that backfield. I would avoid those running backs in your fantasy drafts, and I would honestly try to go out there and get Jack Doyle in the later rounds. I think he could be a great tight end to have as your backup at first and end up being your starter. Remember, Rivers loved throwing the ball to Hunter Henry. Doyle was already good in there with Brissett and these other guys. And, I mean, worst-case scenario, if Rivers doesn't work out, you know Brissett can still come in there and give you some great time. I think no matter what happens, though, in Indianapolis, I don't see how they don't mess around and win 10 games this season. I mean, that defensive side of the ball as well, adding DeForest Buckner in the middle to go along with what's already a great defense. 
I just don't see how the Colts don't go in there. Also, I would look for their um, their middle linebacker to take the next step as well. Uh, Darius Leonard in his progression as a linebacker in this league. I mean, he's up there. He's just as good as Deion Jones and Bobby Wagner. So I really like the Colts' outlook heading into this 2020 season. The last team in this division will fight it out with the Jets to be the worst team in the NFL, in my opinion. That will be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their season win total set at 4.5. Um, I released a long time ago a best bet on them under 5.5 wins. I still like them under 4.5 wins here. Personally, wouldn't play it, but I still like it. I mean, they just pretty much gave away Leonard Fournette. They've lost all these guys, like I was saying earlier. I mean, it just seems like guy after guy after guy they lose. I actually have a funny little tweet that I saw yesterday. I'm about to read to you all here in a second. But look, it's a complete shit show in Jacksonville is the best way to put it. So Jalen Ramsey forced to trade. Yannick Ngawe forced to trade. Telvin Smith preferred not to play. I don't know if that's exactly how it happened, but that's how this guy said it. Um, Harrison, Fowler, Fournette, A-Rob, Malik, all of voiced displeasure about Jacksonville when they played for them. The NFL PA warned everyone about playing for Jacksonville, and yet people are still blaming the players. Look, they're, they have no idea what's going on right now down in Jacksonville. I mean, it's an absolute shit show. Gardner Minshew's not terrible. I think they're going to be trailing a lot, though. So, I mean, I honestly do like their wide receivers, especially DJ Chark and Fantasy. I think he can get a lot of garbage time catches and points for y'all. He also seemed to have good chemistry with Minshew, considering the fact they both started out on the second team together. Um, there's not a whole lot to like in Jacksonville. I think they're shooting for Trevor Lawrence or for Justin Fields in that first round to try to get a quarterback to get things going. I really think that um, the Blake Bortles disaster kind of screwed this entire franchise over. I mean, they were so stacked up in the fact Bortles didn't pan out, I think kind of ruined everything for them. In total, I got to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars under here. I think it's going to be bad. I think they're going to clean house at the end of the season and try to start things over once again and get a fresh start. So, Overall, I do have two teams making the playoffs from this division. I'm picking the Titans to win the division at plus 170. The Colts are also plus 120. I mean, if you like the Colts, I would take the Colts. I personally am just a Titans guy. I feel like that Vrabel's done it so often like that. I mean, I feel like, too, they got so many guys returning from last season, so they're going to have the chemistry there. I think it might take the Colts a couple weeks to get the train rolling, but I don't see any way the Colts don't make the playoffs. There's too much talent. There's too good a coaching. I mean, this team's built too well not to. So it's going to be fun, though, to watch how that division plays out, and I'm excited for everything. But y'all stay tuned this week. Tomorrow I will be dropping a um, college football preview for the ACC and the Big Ten, or I mean the Big 12. Um, also, I'm going to have out my division previews for the rest of the, the, rest of the divisions as well as um, my season awards podcast as well for the NFL or preseason awards, who I think is going to win all the MVPs and everything. So y'all get excited for all that, and I will talk to y'all again a lot of times this week. How's it going today, guys? I'm back here live in the studio once again for an episode of Hot Takes with CP3 today, September 8th, 2020. We are officially two days out from NFL coming back, and we are deep in the midst of the NBA playoffs right now. I'm joined once again by Kobe Horgan. Kobe, say what's up to everybody. What's going on, everybody? Glad to be back. Glad to dive into some NBA playoffs with Thomas and get you guys excited for the NFL season. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm really excited for the NFL season. I'm also really excited for these NBA playoffs to keep on progressing. Been some great games so far. Might have uh, had my blood pressure shoot to an all-time high during the Rockets game on uh, Sunday. But, you know, you can, can only have so much to go, whatever. But let's go ahead and talk about the game that's going on right now, and that's the Heat versus the Bucks. I mean, the Heat look like they're probably about to close them out and send the Bucks home. 
Um, you know, Kobe, I'll let you start out on this one since you were right on this one and I was wrong, and I'm going to have to eat my words in a second. Well, I, I do remember I said that I kind of caved and went against my word. I know I said that the Heat were contenders, but I remember saying on your show last time I was going with the Bucks in seven, I think is what I said. I should have stuck with the Heat because I was feeling really <laughs> And I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be this lopsided, but it's, it's been impressive what the Heat have done. Jimmy Butler's led them tremendously, and the the surrounding pieces and the young guys like Hero, Robinson, Bam Adebayo, they've just all been producing. And I, I don't know if the Bucks are going to get out of this next game or the game that's going on right now. Yeah, you know, I think the Bucks are done. I really don't think they're getting out of this series. I mean, no team's ever come back down three three nothing in the NBA playoffs. Um, I think LeBron might have been the one of the only like three teams to even do it from three one. But honestly, I'll give Miami credit. You know, Spolster out coached Budenholzer. I mean, Budenholzer. Let's face it, he's honestly not that great of a playoff coach. He's more of a regular season coach. I mean, this game that they lost the other day, Giannis was going off before he came out of the game and hurt his ankle. But honestly, Chris Middleton really stepped up and played a better game. He had thirty six points. He had a plus two plus minus. You know, he finally showed up, but of course it was one game too late when he showed up when they actually needed him. I will say this, though. I thought that ending to, I believe it was game three, when they called that touch foul on Giannis by fouling Jimmy Butler. I mean, am I wrong in saying that's probably the worst officiating move I've ever seen in my entire life? No, you're definitely right. That that should have been called, and it definitely influenced the game. But I will say the the shot before, who who shot the three-pointer? Middleton, yeah. I, did you think that was a foul either? Because I didn't, I didn't necessarily think that was a. I thought that was a up in the air, fifty-fifty call. I guess. You know, in this NBA day and age, I personally think it was a foul. I mean, I've seen him call a lot less than that on the Middleton shot a foul, but I mean, I wouldn't say it was the best call I've seen either. I could have gone kind of either way. I mean, honestly, if you're a defender, man, you just got to be smarter than that to get over there. I mean, just like if you're Giannis, you got to be smarter than put a hand on him. But at the same time, I mean, that was absolutely awful call. If anything, he was saving Jimmy Butler from falling and busting his butt even more than he already was on the shot. I mean, <laughs> I, I, this series honestly just frustrates me because that call in and of itself ruined the entire series. You know, that went from Milwaukee having a chance in overtime to kind of stay in this series and everything. And rather than that, one call right there ruined the entire series for Milwaukee pretty much. And you know, I just thought it was pathetic, but hey, you got to give the Heat credit, though, man. I mean, they came out here and they basic and they had what they could do, and they basically exposed Milwaukee. They started bombing threes on them. You had Hero, Duncan Robinson. I mean, Tyler Hero's really showed up in big ways in these playoffs, and so is Duncan Robinson. I mean, like you said, you know, Jimmy Butler, his entire mentality just wears in off on this Heat team when you watch him play. Oh yeah, I think Jimmy's done a great job leading them, and I think that. I saw Spolstra say about Jimmy Butler that he was actually really good, fun and good to be around and, you know, kind of the opposite of what the media said has said about him. But, yeah, the young guys around him have done great. They've been producing. I think one of the things I said on your show last time was that the Bucks don't guard the three-point ball very well. Yeah, and since the Heat have been shooting so well from the outside, that's been the biggest factor in them getting up three three one in this series and I mean they were they were beating the Bucks with Giannis so it didn't really matter him being hurt like kind of like you said before um Giannis not playing kind of may have been like kind of like a just something for the Bucks to rally around and play good for a little bit but 
I think it's kind of wearing off, as you can see in Game Five. Yeah, I think I think too is more so kind of threw a wrench in the game plan because you know your entire defense's game plan is really just to kind of collapse on Giannis and make him give the ball up and make uh, other people beat you from other spots on the floor. But then when you see Giannis go down, you know like it changes up the entire way your defense is and in a mid game like that when your entire defense is centered around one player. You know it's kind of tough once all of a sudden they're moving the ball around a little bit. I will say this: I think my biggest takeaway from this entire series is that we've seen Giannis probably play his last game he'll ever play in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform. And I say that because there is no way he's going to re-sign a Supermax with the Bucks after that um, this performance here in the playoffs. I mean, every single team in the NBA will call the Bucks and try to trade for Giannis. And I think they're going to look at the fact of how well that they played him this series when he wasn't on the floor, especially in that last game. And ultimately, you know, if you were to trade him like – I'm not going to sit here and just speculate about trades, but, I mean, if you were to trade him to Portland, for example, and get C.J. McCollum and Nurkic, you know, like you instantly still have the top team in the East who's going to do what you're doing. And, I mean, as much as it sucks, you're Milwaukee. You're not going to be able to keep a keep a big market guy there like that. Yeah, the fact of the matter is, is Giannis is kind of turning into LeBron James in a way. Not as hype, of course, you know, but he's becoming, you know, he's led the Bucks. He's became the center of the franchise. And he's the reason they've gotten to where they are at this point in their franchise, you know, led them to the Eastern Conference Finals last year and, you know, a number one seed this year and 60-plus wins or whatever it was. And, you know, he's not going to be happy with not being able to get past the second round of the playoffs. That's not going to be enough for him, and he's going to look for other options, kind of like you've seen LeBron doing. It's kind of – I mean, I feel like it's a trend in the NBA now for players they – you know, a lot of people say, oh, they're switching up, like, oh, they're, you know, leaving this team for that mm-hmm. team. You know, did it from Cleveland to Miami. Kevin Durant's done it from OKC to Golden State. Hard, or not Harden, but Westbrook. Harden has left. You know, all of them have to end up leaving at some point. And I think it's really because they want to get a ring and win some championships and, you know, add some kind of some respect to their name. So I think Giannis is going to do the same thing. And, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes because I think it'll it could be. I mean, I've heard Miami, I've heard Golden State, but those might just be like overhyped things. So, well, the, yeah. Well, the thing is, still though, he has one year left on his deal, but he had has to sign the supermax before like a certain date when the season starts. Obviously, the league calendar is going to be a little messed up right now, but I'm a hundred percent sure he's not going to re-sign that because I mean, he's about to be 25 years old, probably have two MVPs and a Defensive Player of the Year. I mean. There's not a whole lot of guys who've had that. Jordan and LeBron didn't win a ring before they were 20. Before, I think just believe it was either 27 or 28 when they both got their first ring. So, I mean, Giannis is still young and has a chance. And, you know, like you said, I mean, they've really never gotten him another piece. If I'm the Bucks, I mean, if you try to blow the whole team up and trade, I mean, I've tried to speculate for them. I really don't know how they could blow the team up and really get a better team than they already have. I mean, there's nobody really available like that right now. But – you know, like you said, and you're Giannis at the end of the day, it comes down to if you win a ring or not. That's how you're going to be judged. And if he has zero rings, then that's definitely going to hurt his, hurt him. So, I mean, he's going to move on. Some, I mean, it's going to have to be through a trade. And, you know, every single team in the league will call for him. But who knows? Maybe we'll both be wrong. Maybe the Bucks will come back from down 10-point deficit deep in the third quarter without him on the floor and win. But I don't. I doubt any of that's going to happen. But yeah. um, let's let's uh, let's talk about the other series that's coming on tonight. Houston, Houston, and the Lakers are about to start here. Um, what do you think about these two games we've watched so far, and what do you think is going to need to happen in Game Three for either of these teams to win? 
Um, well, I've I was very impressed with the Rockets game one, and then Harden put on a show like everybody knew he would. And I think the biggest factor for the Rockets at this point, I think it's it's a pretty easy answer. It's Russell Westbrook and seeing how good he can play. I mean, what was it? Eight, eight, nine points last game, a couple turnovers, more than a couple turnovers, like four or five turnovers, you know, shot four of like 16 from the field. Just not, you can't be doing that in the playoffs. If you're playing the Lakers and that, that's unexcusable. Not, not saying, you know, not like knocking on him too hard. I know he just came off an injury, but you still, you gotta, you gotta be better than that if you're going to beat the Lakers. So I think that's the biggest biggest thing for the Rockets at this point no I agree with you completely and my eyes are actually still bleeding from watching Russell Westbrook with that performance on a th- on Sunday night I mean it was absolutely pathetic it was like in the third quarter you know when or in the, at the end of the third quarter right when you start the fourth quarter they get hard in that little rest and they put Westbrook in there well Westbrook couldn't even get out of his own way it was like all he wanted to do was throw the ball away turn it over I mean it was absolutely awful to watch and one of the worst performances I've seen I mean Russell Westbrook on the total game was four for 15 from the field with um seven turnovers I mean that's absolutely inexcusable if West, Russell Westbrook shows up and plays half decent you win that game I mean on the night before I mean yeah he still he still turned the ball over um five times but I mean, he shot the ball better. 10 for 24 is at least better than 4 for 15, you know, and he had a plus 15, plus minus. I mean, James Harden still had a positive plus minus in that game, too, and Russell Westbrook completely blew it for him. I mean, I personally think the best way to play this series out is to, you know, what? first off, I think D'Antoni or someone, even if it's James Harden, whoever he respects on the team needs to pull him aside and tell him to stop shooting three-pointers. I mean, he should never shoot a three-pointer. I don't care if he hit that one at the end of the game. Why is he shooting him? We all know Westbrook can't shoot threes. I mean, he needs to go to the hole and attack the basket. If he's too injured to do that, then go sit on the bench, you know? Um, I think that the Rockets will, will be fine in this series, honestly. I really liked what I saw out of them in Game 1. I mean, Game 1, I will say this, though. They only hit 14 three-pointers, and they still won. You know, They shot 20 for 27 from the free throw line. They only shot 48% from the field. Their defense and the way they were swarming LeBron and Davis in the paint is going to be their key to victory. They just need Westbrook to just play decent, and I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I'm, the only thing that worries me is that I know that the Lakers have – probably the most out defense in the league I would say probably up there um and the Rockets every playoff I've just seen from them is they have a couple games where they they just can't shoot well from the three point three point line and that is what worries me about the Rockets and I think you know PJ Tucker's held held up against his own you know pretty well against um Anthony Davis he's done very well and he's kind of called out all his haters saying, you know, even though I'm 6'5", I can still guard in oh, yeah. the court, kind of bucking up against the biggest guys out there. So I think it'll, yeah, it'll be important that Russ, <laughs> Russ plays well. But, yeah, he's got to stop shooting the threes. I mean, you saw that one, there's one clip that's going all over the internet, House of Highlights, that James Harden get, gets double teamed and passes it to Russell Westbrook, and there's about nobody with 15 feet of him and he just he pulls it and he he breaks it but yeah he's got a, he's got back I mean even if he's pulling up from mid range I like it better like take two steps maybe one dribble in and you're taking a 16 17 footer and that's a way better high more high efficient shot than you know you taking a three point shot where you shoot 
I don't even know, probably 30 some percent. Whoa, whoa, less than that. Don't even give them that kind of credit. Yeah, yeah, less than that, less than that. I don't even know what I'm saying. 20%, somewhere in there. <laughs> would have to look at the numbers real quick. I didn't look, didn't look at that before the, the podcast, but yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable. He's got to he's got to play better. If he can play half decent, I like them to win a few games. I actually like this series to go to to seven. Um, I think the Rockets can. I agree. A few, but I do I do think I have, I have the Lakers. I have the Lakers. So you know, um, actually, I, I have the Rockets tonight. I will say. Yeah, I, def- I definitely have them tonight. I'm going to say this, though. Look, the whole series is going to come down to Russell Westbrook. At the end of the day, Russell Westbrook is who he is because of what he does. I think at the end of the day, he's going to end up costing Houston the series. The last thing I'm going to say on it is, I mean, when you look at last game's box score and you see P.J. Tucker plus 18 and James Harden plus 8, I mean, you're going to look at the final score and say Houston had to have won that game. But then you see Russell Westbrook minus 14 on the plus minus, and, I mean, that says it all right there. Yep, that's exactly that's exactly right. And – it's going to be up to the guys. I mean, you know, Russ has probably the biggest uh, priorities right now. But, you know, there's going to be other guys that need to chip in and play well. P.J. Tucker's got to keep shooting well and playing good defense. Covington has got to be playing great lockdown defense. It's, I mean, it's a team effort. And I think I, I just I like what I have saw or seen from the, the, the kind of the, the bench slash, you know, role play guys. And I think they've been they've been doing great. So yeah, I think this game's gonna be interesting tonight. I think that um it's gonna be a close game. Could be completely wrong, but I'm gonna I think it's gonna be a close game. I think that James Harden's gonna have about a thirty five plus game and if you can get Rust, I think Rust's gonna have, you know, maybe like a fifteen fifteen point triple double close to that and you that would be huge for the Rockets. I think they they get out of there with a with a four point dub. That's going to be my final final say. <laughs> yeah, no, I think Houston's going to escape as well with a victory. I don't know by how many points. Um, tomorrow night we got another good one as well. Tipping off at six forty, we have the Raptors versus the Celtics. The Raptors are currently down three games to two right now. Um, I know you picked the Celtics. I picked the Raptors to win this series. Um, I'm going <laughs> to start us off with this one. I mean, honestly. This series has been kind of crazy, you know, like the first two games, realistically, the first two and a half games, I mean, the Raptors looked done. Then Nick Nurse switched to that zone at halftime, made up the 10-point deficit. I mean, he completely shut down Boston in that game. Then OG and Anobi pulled out that three-pointer, saved their season, and then yesterday, and then they turn around on Saturday, win that next game. I mean, this zone looks great. I really just think the only reason why the Raptors played so bad last game I mean, they just started out that next game cold. You know, I feel like they used all their energy they had to come back and even the series up, you know. So I feel like it was kind of an obvious, you know, kind of night off spot for them, night where they're not going to show up as well. But, I mean, I'm telling you, ever since they made that change, like the Raptors are in here. I mean, it was, hey, I told you Nick Nurse, the best coach in the league. I mean, he made possibly the biggest change that could have saved their entire season at halftime as he did last year. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're you're right, you're right. But I like I said on your show last time I said Celtics and six. I'm sticking with it. I wa I just I don't know. I think Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kimba Walker, I mean even Marcus Smart had a f- five three pointers in a row. And that was unbelievable. You know, it's just I feel like they they're they have a little more talent. That's just my opinion. I don't know. But yeah, the, the the zone has been a lot of you know big game changer for the Raptors. 
Nick Nurse is a great coach and he's made great adjustments, but I think that Brad Stevens kind of went into that game five and told the guys, hey, look, we got to, if they're going to try to lock us up and play great D, we're going to have to do the same. And it, like I think one of the announcers said in the game yesterday when I was watching, he said, hey, it's not even like the, the Raptors are getting great shots. The Celtics were playing good defense to me. I thought they were mm-hmm. getting cost turnovers, creating havoc on the defensive side of the ball. And that was also leading to offense for them too, you know, and that, you know, that kind of leads into the momentum, I think in the playoffs and gets team teams rallied up when, you know, you in the first quarter only having 11 points near the rap and near the Celtics. You're like, okay, we're, we're locking these boys up. We're going to keep scoring and we're going to, you know, make this a 30 point game real quick. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I just feel like that was an obvious let, kind of letdown spot yesterday for the Raptors, you know, after those two big wins that they needed to save the season. I think the Raptors will come out and win game six. I mean, I'm going to stick with the Raptors to win game seven, but at the same time, I'm going to say this. It's going to be pretty hard, though, to beat Brad Stevens in four out of six games, you know, or to beat him in that, in a, I guess it'd be four out of five games because that's the stretch they would have to beat him. I mean, it's going to be really hard to do that. But if anyone can do it, it's Nick Nurse and the Raptors. But, you know, Nurse, man, he just knows those lineups how to play. And you finally got Powell to show up to off the bench. I mean, I think Toronto is going to give them all they got and pull it out tomorrow. Game seven, though, will be a different story. Um, I would say this, though. The only thing that scares me about going seven with with this Celtics team is the fact they're going to have the best player. You know, when they're going to have – they have Jason Tatum. He's definitely the best player in the series. So – you know, that's that's scary, and you're going to need Tatum to just kind of step up here. I mean, both these teams have that championship experience. So, I mean, I think this if I think it will go seven, and I think it's going to be an absolute dogfight in game seven. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going opposite of you. I'm thinking the Celtics wrap it up in six. Um, I think Tatum's going to have – I mean, even you – know, the thing is, is that Tatum had 18, 10, and I think four or five in the game yesterday, and Jalen Brown was the guy who really had the most points, but – you also have a great contribution from Kimba Walker, too. You have, you know, Marcus Smart playing good defense. Aaron Baines was playing – was it Aaron Baines? Um, No, Aaron Baines is on the Suns now. Not Aaron Baines. The white, the white Tice. center. Tice, yes. Gosh, I blanked right there for a minute. <laughs> but yeah, that, they, they just all put together good minutes and – I think they played good defense, and I think that the Celtics, like you said, having the best player in Tatum really some distance, and I think that he's going to kind of finish it off in six. I think it's going to be a close game in, in game six tomorrow, but I think the Celtics are going to pull it off with some late-game heroics from Tatum, and I think that um, I think that uh, Jalen Brown's also going to have himself a nice game as well. Hey, I mean, I think they'll both have a nice game, but I think that Raptors defense is going to show up in big ways. <laughs> Um, last series that we got on tomorrow night at 9 o'clock, it is a 2-1 series. Not going to lie, I'm surprised it's it's not 3-0. Is the Clippers yeah. versus the Nuggets here. Um, first thing I want to ask you is, I mean, do you think the Nuggets can take this series six or seven games, or do you think it's going to be Clippers in five? I mean, it, the games have been decently close, and the Nuggets did take one. So, I mean, I, I think it, the Nuggets could maybe grab one more. But I think it would be like the Clippers are up 3-1 and then they're about to wrap up game five and the Nuggets pull one out and then Clippers win in six. That would be kind of how it goes. But I, I don't see the Nuggets putting up too crazy of a fight. I mean, 
you got Jamal Murray, Jokic, and 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 Michael Porter Jr. from last night going off. You know, hey, Michael He's, Porter Jr. was coming for necks last night with those dunks he had. Dunk he had on um, Mr. Harrell was <laughs> kind of disrespectful. But um, yeah, he's gonna be a dog. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be good. And yeah, like I used, we kind of talked about the Nuggets team and how they're young, and they have they have another year or two. But making it where they did, they were supposed to make it this far. Clippers and Lakers were supposed to be in the Western Conference Finals. The fact that if they can put this game into or get this series to six or seven games, that's a win book for Denver. And then you kind of get another year of uh, playoff experience under all these guys' belts. Jamal Murray and Jokic are going to be a, a duo that's going to be, you know, a tandem for decades, or not decades, but years on end to come. And I think they're going to be they're going to be nice. So they have something cooking in Denver. I just think that the Clippers are too talented with PG and, and Kawhi and company. Yeah, you know, I think that honestly that the Nuggets made one of the right moves forward in this playoff series. I mean, they're probably going to get sent home in five, four, five. I mean, in five, maybe six games. But I think they took a step forward as a team into their kind of development as a team. When I look at what all they've done, you know, in this series, yes, they did. They did get blown out in game one, but in game two, you know, they kind of came back and they didn't look scared. Jamal Murray and them didn't back down, and they straight up took it to the Clippers. They scored forty-four points in the first quarter on them. And they took it to them all night, too. In the second half, when it looks like the Clippers might actually come back, they went right back at them again and still kept putting up the numbers. And, I mean, they pretty much blew the Clippers out in that game. I mean, Kawhi played absolutely awful. Last night, though, I feel like even again, they came out and they went right at the Clippers, you know, which is what you wanted to see. Yeah, the Clippers definitely frustrated Jamal Murray, but... I mean, they took that ball to them, and they took it at them, which is exactly what you wanted to see this team do. You don't want to see them roll over. You know, Jokic might not play because he or might not have played because he's injured, and Pbev was running his mouth to him, and he almost had a 32-point triple-double. I also thought, though, that Michael Porter Jr., you know, like you said, he stepped up and took his game kind of the next level and elevated his play. I mean, he had 18 points last night, and he looked half-respectable. I really think <clears throat> the fact they put Gary Harris – back in on this team, I think that he really changed a lot of things for them and made them a little more versatile defending just because, you know, they were literally trying to guard Donovan Mitchell with power forwards. So I think that helped their team a little bit. But overall, if I'm the Nuggets, yeah, you're going to lose this series. But you've taken the right step forward in your team's maturation. But from a Clippers side of things, I think you also saw what you wanted to see last night. You watched PG, you watched uh, PG Pandemic P and uh, Kawhi Leonard kind of step up at the end of the game. You know, Kawhi did it on the offensive end. He still didn't shoot that well, 9 for 19. But Paul George was 12 for 18, 5 for 7 from 3, 32 points. I mean, it really felt like he did everything for him last night and kept him in that one. The thing, though, to think about here is per 100 possessions, the Clippers were minus 25 when Montrose Harrell's on the floor. Yeah, they got to figure out what they're going to do with him in the games to come. I think biggest factor for the Clippers is if they can have Paul George play like that. And I think if Paul George can play like that along with, you know, what you're going to get from Kawhi pretty much game in and game out. So if Paul George plays like that, I think they can take the Lakers. And I think they, they would have a good chance against them in the next round. I know you might think the Rockets are going to win the series. So I know you kind of gave me a a weird look there but <laughs> but I think <laughs> either way either way I think if you know Paul George and Kawhi are playing like that collectively and you got um, a good effort from the surrounding cast Pat Bev being a pest on defense you know 
just getting some buckets from Reggie Jackson here and there, you know, maybe picking up Montrez Harrell's, you know, act down the stretch. I think that the clip, this Clippers team is going to be, I think they're they're right now. They might be my champion. I'm not going to, you know, like say that officially, but I like where they're headed. Um, I think if I was a Clippers fan, I'd be really happy and they should be going into the Western conference finals. And I think they'll be going into the Western Conference Finals quicker than the Lakers, so they'll get more rest, and that'll be big for them. Um, dang, I just I just missed out on the fantasy football draft um, starting. But anyway, <laughs> it's never a good feeling. But um, anyway, um, stressful. Uh, yeah, back to back to what I was gonna say though. I actually think Montrez Harrell is gonna be not going to have a good series, and just because you know he missed all that time when he left the bubble. So I feel like he's still trying to get back and everything to where he's been at. But honestly, I think the Clippers will be fine at the end of the day. You know, I think the I think the Clippers have the players and everything in place that they need to um, you know to to get to get to the next round. I really think though that they kind of pick and choose their spots. And honestly, I think the Nuggets were foolish for talking smack to them just because. You know, now they're probably going to pick their spots and show up the rest of this series because they don't, you know, just because there's been some talk going on between both teams. I feel like that there was a lack of them showing up some in some of those other ones, you know. So that's also a little bit of something to to uh, watch out for. Add fuel to the fire for the for the Clippers. So yeah, I think I think that it's going to be interesting, but I think that the Clippers are going to finish it in five or six and. My yeah, my final predictions: Clippers, Clippers, Lakers, and then Heat, Celtics on the other side. So, be that's kind of not exactly what everybody was thinking on the East, but you know that was pretty much everyone's preseason predictions on the West side. Yeah, no, I mean it's going to come down to what Westbrook can do if the Lakers get there or not. I mean Westbrook's probably going to be Westbrook, so never know what's going to happen there. But Kobe, I appreciate you coming on, helping me uh, talk about this this NBA. Of course, anytime. Um, I'm hoping that your Rockets can get a dub tonight because I actually did bet on them tonight. So I need them to pull through and, <laughs> and dub. So I'm I'm hoping that Westbrook can can get it going tonight. Hey, trust me, they'll take care of things and handle things for us. But we'll get you <laughs> back on later on this week, and we'll talk some more. Uh, we'll talk so talk a little football and some more basketball. All right, sounds good, man. Good talking to you. Hey, you too. Be safe. I'll talk to you later.